Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. It's Friday. Mailbag coming up. Yannick Hansen coming up his season debut here on Canuck Central. Yeah, but we're we're jacked up to have Yannick on the Honey Badger. Uh, he had some uh, pointed thoughts on Connor Garland the other day on the People Show. We'll see uh, what kind of a take he has on the Canucks eight one win. Everybody seems to have a take on the eight one win. I'd imagine he has a positive one. I don't think we've had this like extended forty eight hours of positivity around the Vancouver Canucks in a very long time. Well, I mean, having the, the largest margin of victory for your season opening game ever, <laughs> yes, you know, it creates a good mood around uh, the city and the organization. All of a sudden, there's a lot of confirmation bias. I feel like, you oh know? yeah. Told you they were going to be better. That's that's basically what I've been saying to everybody. Like, I was like, told you so. <laughs> told you. I've told you they're going to finish third in the division. <laughs> Reach has been saying. So you watch the LA Kings? Yeah. <laughs> confirmation bias. That yeah. might be a new uh, segment on the show, just like confirmation bias. Yeah. You know? yeah I mean, like the Canucks right now um, have two times as many points as, no, four times. Or like, yeah. actually, no. Even more. I mean, you can't quantify zero. <laughs> they have zero. The Canucks have points. Uh, they are uh, on pace for uh, a lot of points. This the Canucks year. are on pace for 164 points, whereas the LA Kings are on pace for zero points. Uh, facts only. Facts only. Facts only. <laughs> so um, we are getting ready, though. Canucks heading out on the road. They had a uh, morning skate today before heading out to Edmonton as they'll uh, finish the second half of the home-and-home home with the Oilers. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl today quoted as saying, uh, sometimes it's good to get smacked a little. Interesting choice of words. Listen, everybody got everyone has their own little kink or whatever. It's okay. Hey, phrasing! <laughs> I don't know, man. What, whatever makes you happy, Connor. <laughs> whatever. Uh, okay, so it's good to get smacked a little. Uh, according to Leon Dreisaitl, it's his words, not mine. And uh, the Oilers probably will be fired up for tomorrow. But it should be interesting road trip. And we found out today, Sat, uh, Teddy Bluger still week mm. to week. So probably won't see him for at least the early part of the road trip. We'll see if he joins the Canucks at any point during the road trip. Carson Soucy did skate with the team in an on-contact jersey. Also, Ilya Mikheyev now in an on-contact jersey, which might have something to do with Jack Studnika being up on emergency conditions. You wouldn't want to have Ilya Mikheyev look like he is so close to returning. So, yes, the Canucks... Um, probably going into tomorrow night's matchup with the same lineup as they did on Wednesday, just with Jack Studnika in. Yeah, that's what it looks like. So you have your 12 forwards and we'll see what Carson Soucy and his status. Um, you know, he's, he's progressed a lot better, I think, than people had anticipated and perhaps even had hoped, you know, because yep. he's, he's getting better a lot quicker. Well, it seemed like Bluger was going to be ready earlier yeah. and Susie may have been longer and now it's maybe the other way around. Well, it's kind of interesting because um, talk it the other day was saying sometimes with injuries, they'll improve 
you know, drastically, yeah. and they kind of threw in, threw out in the end as well. But and sometimes they go the other way, yeah. and they have a case of both. And it's kind of funny how <laughs> with the first two kind of injuries that are somewhat significant, they kind of both change the day to day. So Susie and Bluger uh, still probably on the outside of the Canucks lineup, looking in week to week for Teddy Bluger. But uh, Canucks will be in Edmonton tomorrow, and then uh, head out to the East Coast to play Philadelphia on Tuesday, which is now a three o'clock Pacific time puck drop. Let's bring in our next guest making his season debut it is Yannick Hansen. this insider is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group Metro Ford Port Coquitlam and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you Yannick good to have you back for another season yeah it's nice to be back and I hope you guys had a good summer uh yeah it was great summer and uh you know it's it's a little bit better when they kick off the season uh with some some positivity I, none of us really expected an 8-1 win uh what did you make of the Wednesday night performance yeah, I know it was one of those that are. It's nice to see them get off on a uh, on a good start. I mean, the last couple of years, um, they they've kind of got sunk right off the bat. So again, there was I'm sure some nervous minds around, uh, both in the dressing room on the top floor and in the fan sections uh, as to how they were start it's not easy going out uh, playing back to back against Edmonton here right off the bat uh, and then head east so, so you want to you want to get some points right away feel like you're you're involved get your guys going and yeah eight one two one it doesn't really matter but but it, it mattered in a sense that a lot of guys are, are feeling good about themselves a, a lot of question marks uh Besser and and these things that kind of get answered uh right away i know it, it's one game and you don't want to take anything for granted um but but it's definitely a a positive when you see um a lot of guys chipping in is there a difficulty in kind of repeating not not repeating an 8-1 eight, eight, victory obviously but in terms of like having the same type of energy after you come off a big victory like that I, I think Edmonton's going to have a say on that one yeah. as well um, that being said the first 10 minutes before uh, Garland scores um, Edmonton has the bigger chances um, so, so it's not like Vancouver rolled over them um, they had their opportunities Demko did his um, they got a sniff, Peter, with a phenomenal pass, and all of a sudden it's one nothing, two nothing short after that. Um, so, so things were going their way as well. Um, so, so again, expecting an eight-one uh, win here tomorrow. Uh, I don't think I'd bet on that. Yeah, it's uh, you know some of it. Uh, the the Edmonton goaltending and uh, you know the power play ran hot for for three of the eight goals, but it did feel um, you know just the the way they played a much cleaner game than we had seen them play uh, in years past. Uh, they, they won a ton of puck battles all over the ice. It just, uh, y- you felt some of the structure Rick Tockett put in towards the end of last year carry over into the start of this season. You can hope. Like, it's very early. It's, it's hard to draw a conclusion off, one, off of one game. Uh, ask me again a week from now when they played five and they've been on the road for four more and stuff like that, mm-hmm. what they're looking like. Um, like I said, it's great to get off this way. They have a hard start to the season. Um, so, so again, every point you can get right now uh, puts them in a in a good position. And, and again, not that hole that we've seen in the past. Um, so, so um, drawing conclusions off of one game, I, I hate to do that. I, I don't want to do it from the preseason either. Right. Um, but but now they're playing for keeps. They played very good last night, or not last night, the other night. Uh, and again, they, they got a lot of things done right that hasn't gone right for them in the past. So again, it's definitely a 
positive. It's something you can build off of. Um, now, again, go out and repeat it uh, and not just two or three times. No, do it on a consistent basis. Uh, and then we can talk about uh, we're having something tangible here. What do you think of the way Philip Hironik played and just how he looks like a player since coming over to Vancouver? Yeah, he, again, it's nice to have another right-handed defenseman in there who can move the puck a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He he came from Detroit, and I, I'm completely honest. I've watched zero Detroit games over the last little bit, so I had no clue about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start drawing my own uh, conclusion here as the games progresses. Um, but again, it, it seems like a guy with a little bit of an offensive flair as well, but, but again, by no mean a liability defensively. Um, seems like he can eat up a, a lot of minutes as well. So uh, again, a player, if you're looking at uh, a playoff and and playoff runs definitely a player you like to have on your team you know the uh, the defense as a whole it uh it it played pretty well but you know the the talk through preseason and and how they're going to deploy this defense maybe by committee at times it's going to get harder on the road as rick talk had already mentioned not having last change they've kept hughes and heronic together do you do you expect them to to run with that for the long term or do you think they'll have to split it up eventually no, I think as long as uh, Susie cut probably threw a, a wrench in that, you'd probably want to pair uh, him with one of them to kind of uh, uh, balance out that net front presence in your own end kind of thing and then have two puck-moving uh, defensemen on two different lines. Hopefully you'd have a lot of minutes that way. Um, but but for now, um, maybe you are you're forced into that situation a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, I'd like to see them playing on different lines. Um those are your your number one and number two defensemen. Um, I don't know if they necessarily is a good thing that they're playing uh, on the same line. Sometimes with this team in the past, Yannick, we've seen them get a little bit hot, and then uh, the the moment adversity steps in, uh, they kind of fall and turtle a little bit. Maybe that's too strong of a word, but it's the word I'm using right now. So it's you're you're so right about needing to see it more. But my my wonder is, you know, with the the type of effort they showed, winning all those battles, like just how how sustainable is that over the course of an eighty two game season to be going as hard as they were the other night? Um, well, you should be able to win battles every night. It's one of the things you can control, can control bounces, uh, all these things. But uh, winning your one on one is something you can you can control. It's about fight. It's about will. Um, and again, if you can do that on a consistent basis, you 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 come out on top uh, a lot of nights. Um, so again, like I said, it's a positive to see them doing that. Uh, I love to see that uh, on the road as well when things get a little bit harder, um, and, and then take it from there. Um, but right now we're 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 talking positives and not negatives. What they need to do now, they just need to continue. So um, it's definitely a good sign. Yeah, it is now. Obviously, when when we look at the team and how it's built, we're not going to see ultimately what the forward group is like until we see Mikheyev back and Teddy Bluger coming coming in. But when you look at a guy like Pia Suter, for instance, and how he can play on the PK, and, and just in terms of how the coach can um, deploy his lineup, if he can play the way he played, or at least close to the way he played, how much does that kind of change the Canucks' fortunes potentially on the road and just being able to kind of dictate pace against certain opponents? Yeah, you got you got different types of options now, uh, especially in the middle down. Uh, adding Lafferty as well, it gives you gives you three centers um, in your bottom six that you can kind of match and match the way you you want them to. Um, 
And again, uh, he seems like he got a little bit more offensive flair than than the other two. Um, so it'd be nice to see him come in and cement that, whether it's a third line center, and then build a line around him that can that can contribute, but also not be a, a liability. Yeah, it felt like they um, they were able to run four lines the other night, even though they didn't have 12 forwards, but you know, they, they, they seem to be able to run through uh, most of the forward group. And I, I think that's kind of what they're aiming for. And we'll see it play out over the rest of the season, but Edmonton really seemed to struggle that the Canucks could throw out four different lines and roll their four lines pretty regularly through the night. And that's something you know, a lot of teams struggle to deal with. It's kind of what Vegas has is, is been built on, is being able to run four lines. It makes it really difficult for the, the opposing team to game plan against. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, what every team is trying to achieve. Um, the, the days of uh, three lines or, or top six is, is over because these guys, they can be shut down. They can go away um, uh, bad days, weeks, month, and then your your season is done. So you need to be able to have contribution throughout your lineup. That being said, there's nothing wrong with having different roles, um, mm-hmm. different skills, different uh, abilities there as well. But but you need you need four lines who can contribute uh, on both sides of the ice. And then, yeah, you'd like to have some physicality. You'd like to have some uh, PK skills as well mixed in there. So so. You have those intangibles, but again, um, the, the overall theme is you, you want to be able to roll four lines. You want to be able to play in Tampa and Florida here a week from now, and not worry about who you're throwing out for a fourth line uh, uh, for, for a defensive zone draw or, or on an icing in cases like this. So that that's the strength of not having to worry about that matchup when you don't have the last change. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, when we look at the best Vancouver teams in the past, as much as we talk about you need to do more than just win faceoffs, it does matter having guys that can take different types of faceoffs, right? Good in the right circle, good in the left circle, and and just in terms of giving you a little bit of stability and that's one of the things I wonder about in general you know can they be better around the margins and at least they've got players that can play specific roles whereas last year Yannick how much did we talk about they don't even have guys that can win face-offs in the right circle they don't even have guys who can PK it seems like at least they've gotten guys in positions where they can be successful helping the team yeah and it's one of those things the margins for for wins and losses in the league right now are are so narrow Mm -hmm. Um, and if you can scrape out a percentage here and there and winning a face-off penalty killing in your own end and clearing the pocket takes 20 25 30 seconds off the clock that that that's a big chunk Um, a lot of times uh, a lot of goals that they're scored off the first 15 20 30 seconds in a power play Um, and again you're you're putting yourself at a significant deficit if, if you're already losing that um, so that that being said, the, the face-off is key. The fact that you're able to, to play phys- physical as well, you, you don't want to run into teams where you're getting intimidated. Um, you want to be able to have a pushback there as well. Uh, that being said, the biggest pushback is being able to put the puck in the net. Uh, and again, that hasn't been Vancouver's issue over the last little years here they've been able to score they haven't been able to do the other things so again it's good to see them trying to fix these things 
Um, now we just want to see it on a consistent basis and then continue to see the, the, the scoring we've kind of been accustomed to and then you're going to see a lot of good nights for, for Vancouver. Uh, so JT Miller in that line, they, they outscored Connor McDavid 3-zip uh, the other night and I, I think it's maybe one of the, the biggest keys to success for the season is JT Miller and Phil DiGiuseppe and Brock Besser. They, they want to be deployed as the matchup line and... I think if they're able to have success through the course of the season, it's, I mean, it's going to help this team tremendously if that can be a shutdown line behind Elias Patterson. Yeah, again, you need you need JT to be a, an eight and a half million dollar guy. There's yeah. no question about that. You need him to be able to to do that, uh, put up his. 80, 90 points, carry a, carry a line, be physical, be hard to play against. Um, uh, he, 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 he fills a lot of different roles um, that the other centers maybe necessarily can't do yet. We're, we're starting to see that defensive, that grittiness from PD as well. Um, but, but again, there, there's no question. You need your number one, number two center. You need your number one defenseman. You need your goaltender to, to be your best players. Are they your best players? Then let's start worrying about the the fringe, the the the, the players that fill in around them. Um, so when you're saying we need, we need JT Miller, absolutely we need him and and a handful of other guys, and then hopefully hopefully everybody else follows falls in in line because that's what tend to happen when when teams have success. Then everybody is they're okay with their roles, they're fulfilling it, and they're playing it to the T. But putting a, in a position where you can succeed. Um, and it's just, it's easier for everyone. Uh, and before we let you go here, Yannick, I mean, a lot was made this past week with the whole Connor Garland stuff and, you know, the team and the agent exploring a trade. In terms of him st- still being here, we all know it's not easy to move a contract. And at the end of the day, he has to play well. Is that the type of performance, not always score a goal every night, but the way he played, is that what he has to do now that now that, that it's public about a situation? Yeah, he, he's got to be real worried about the, the attitude now. Um, I, I like. I have no question he'll come out and work hard, uh, try to score, try to produce, and all these things. What you just can't see from a player like that is frustration, anger, attitude, uh, missed opportunities on the bench in the media because you, you're scrutinized a little bit more now. Um, this has become public, and it's not a good look for uh, either the player or the organization that you're starting and you're wanting to make the playoff, and now you have a player who doesn't want to be a part of that. Um, so again, like I said, he, he's a player I've always liked. Um, he, he plays with a lot of tenacity. He, he's always engaged, it seems like. And when he can finish, um, he, he's an effective player. That being said, if, if players don't want to necessarily be here and we don't know the, the whole story, um, then uh, a lot of times you're better at uh, moving them out. Uh, we we heard Demko threw up in his mask a little bit the other night. You have any uh, Plan Six stories for us? <laughs> no, yeah, we have one, but everybody knows that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's not a good look for 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 a goalie. Um, good thing it was over and done with, and you can get him out in now a couple of days. It sounds like some was just addressing more the league, but uh, yeah, uh, anytime you can you can give your your guys a rest uh, and it aren't uh, do and die, you, you take it. Uh, Yannick, you're the best. Glad to have you back for another season. Yeah, sounds good. Take care. Uh, there is uh, Yannick Hansen joining us, and he will join us every single Friday here on Canuck Central, and he is brought to you by the Magnuson 
Auto Group. Uh, we did have a question about Demco in on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Any Demco update updates? Yeah, just you know, under the weather, just needs to rest. He'll be okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the thing. I mean, it's uh, running through the team a little bit, but yes, the uh, Canucks needing Demco to get better as quickly as possible should be fine and should be a go for tomorrow as uh, we expect. So, you know, Yannick is obviously still um, patient with his uh, (laughs) assessment of the Canucks. I mean, listen, uh, we do radio shows, right? We spend here and spend here, spend time here every day, two, three hours talking about the team and we expand on things and go in depth. But at the end of the day, it's one game. Yes, of course. Right. And we've seen some positives. We're, We're building off of the things we've been looking at to evaluate and confirmation showed, bias. Yeah, and they showed well in that first game. So it, give, it gives it a positive, right? But yeah, ultimately it's one game. Yeah. And there are 81 to go. And like you mentioned, until you see the bullets fly for real, and by that I mean when you're in situations where you're under pressure, where you're facing adversity in a game that you're trailing or you lost the lead or something's yeah. not going your way, how do you react? How do you play? And until we see them under those stressors, we're not going to know. Yeah. You can be hopeful, right? You can be encouraged and all that, but we got to wait and see. And that's the beauty of letting a season breathe. That's why they say yeah. you got to give it 20 games, 25 <laughs> games, and you don't even really hone into on your... I mean, if you want to be realistic about it, Dan, and this is going to sound like a little boring, it's going to take about 50, 40, 50 games for this team to really figure out how to play and do it effectively. Yeah. And I don't mean you're going to be bad team up until then, but that's how long it takes. Like You talk to players, too. They, they'll say... With a new team and everything, it takes about half the season. It takes a little bit longer. That's about how long it takes for everything to become second nature. You just hope that you have enough positive reinforcements along the way that you hone in on that properly and you hit the second half of the season yeah. on a, in a good groove. So that way you can make the playoffs and perhaps once you get in, be a tough team to play against. Well, they're not even at the 40-game mark with Rick Tockett. Exactly. Um, and, you know, they probably spent a lot more of training camp really honing in on their structure more so than maybe other teams did. And maybe that's going to give them a bit of a leg up early on this season, but there's still a ton of work to do. As we know, I will say as far as like meeting some adversity, pretty stark contrast from 12 months ago when they had the three, nothing lead on Edmonton. And Mm -hmm. then as soon as Edmonton got that power play, they really started to turtle in the snowball. They just were never able to stop it. And then we saw them blow a bunch of other leads in the forthcoming games. Just unraveled. Yeah. As soon as one thing would go wrong, it was just yeah. the unraveling began for the team. The other night, when Dreisaitl scores that power play goal, the Canucks, it's almost like they didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. You know, They were right back on the front foot, get a power play, and then score the next goal in the game and really put it to rest. And at, at, at that point, it was like Edmonton was like, oh, okay, so it's not going to be like last year. Yeah. And they kind of went, uh, all right, I guess we're packing it in and we're going to be ready for Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, that's why the game on Saturday is going to be such a tough challenge against this Edmonton team. Because if Edmonton came in and didn't take Vancouver seriously, but Vancouver eked out a victory, they could be like, ah, you know, we should have won that game. Maybe you come into the next game and they're they not to say they take you lightly, yeah. But maybe they're like, yeah, hey, we, we can have we can take these guys, yeah. Whereas the next game's like they probably feel like they have to win, mm-hmm. not only because they lost, but because they lost eight one, and they feel like we shouldn't be losing eight one to this team, yeah. So I mean, I think you're going to see their best game, at least as good as you can play early in the season, 
And that's going to be a tough challenge, but I love it because I, I, cause to the point that you made, you need to see, we need to see them in these situations and what better situation to evaluate them in than the second game of the year after coming off a big victory. They're, you got some credit already and you see how you handle it. Well, this team is long struggled in those moments when it's like, okay, yeah. now the pressure's on and that's when they back off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's where it's got to change. Benny from the Mox on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, 650-650. I just can't be optimistic about the Canucks. Edmonton minus two and a half. That's where the smart money is. <laughs> Benny, uh, I hope you're getting a lot of juice on that. I'll just say, if you're going Edmonton minus two and a half, I hope you're getting... I hope you're getting a little bit extra on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it might happen. It might be tough though, depending on Demko and and how he feels. I'd imagine he'd be just fine. Yeah, you know, and uh, they won't be easy to beat. Hopefully, and Trucker James says it's only one game, but everyone at least knows what their roles are. They work their butts off. They're doing what the coaches ask them to do, and this is the workman type of attitude that made me a diehard fan 45 years ago. I'm excited for this season. Go Canucks, go! That's Trucker James, and and he's right. Like to your point, confirmation bias to some degree. The things we talked about, they have to do. Yeah. the things they added. That we said, hey, this can help you become a better team. This can help you at least, you know, play the way you want to play. And you saw it all come through in the first game. So, yes, it's just, you know, keep it going. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. We have uh, questions about Connor Garland coming in at the, tum- at the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll talk about that and some of the latest news and notes, tidbits, if we really want to call it that, about Connor Garland. That's coming up next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Happy Friday. It's always good getting into the weekend. It is, man. Especially when the uh, weekend entails hockey. Dude, I'm so excited to be able to watch hockey and do the game tomorrow. Like, I'm hyped for it. I I saw uh, Victor between breaks. We were just chatting. Yep. And I was like, happy Fridays. Like, is, are they still Fridays for you? Because I work so much on weekends. I'm like, yeah, man, it's great. I mean, doing a, doing a game on a Saturday, one hour pregame, you know, you know, it's, it's easy. It's good. Hey, Vic, uh, just just a note, getting into this business, your your weekends are toast. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. There's definitely worse jobs in the world. <laughs> exactly, 100%. Now, there's the attitude I like to I like to hear. Victor knows what's up. And if it comes with more 8-1 wins, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, the only the only downer about this weekend, uh, no club football, so that does suck. Having to wait another week, yeah, to watch the EPL is is very tough. I know Victor's a big uh, footy fan as well. So. Got to watch internationals. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you know I don't mind so much the the, the World Cup or Euro qualifiers. At yeah. least there's stakes. Yep, in some of them, the ones that you know have the group wrapped up, they don't matter. But yeah, still, it's it's not the same. Yeah, it's England, same. Italy on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same. (laughs) Uh, Also, Canada suffered a big loss today. But this is not Soccer Central, guys. I'm sure those texts are about to come in. Somebody's furiously texting into the dumbass. Somebody is very angry driving on Highway 1 and just... (laughs) All right, Reach. Get your Paisani takes out of here. Start talking some hockey. All right, fair, fair enough. Uh, it is Canuck Central. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah here in the uh, Kintec studio. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. So Connor Garland scores in the opening night, but... Yeah.
Boomer Mill still swirling around him. We got an update from uh, Elliot Friedman today on 32 Thoughts. Uh, there is word Nashville could be in on uh, Connor Garland. Uh, Rick Dollywall mentioned Winnipeg as a team that has been sniffing around Connor Garland. They like to acquire players with term, much like they yeah. did with Nate Schmidt a couple of years ago from the Vancouver Canucks when it didn't work out with that player here yeah. in Vancouver. But the most interesting note of it was teams are looking for the Canucks to retain about 30%, which would be $1.5 million yeah, roughly. On, on Connor Garland's contract and potentially have to add a sweetener on top of that. Can I hang up the phone <laughs> on the Canucks' behalf? I mean, and that's why you think tra- Patrick Alvin says even yeah. says like it was nice talking to you when when somebody asked for that. Well, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure he probably like chuckled in the way he does. Right? Yeah, probably chuckled. Ah, ha, ha, we can't do that. Yeah, you know? like, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a no for me, Bob. Yeah, that's, that's a no. Well, I mean, that's why a trade hasn't happened, right? You know, I mean, that's like- kind of my thing. When I heard it, I was just like, well, yeah. Which is probably why they haven't been able to trade Connor Garland in the last number of months. Yeah, and Vancouver has always said, and this is something that even Alvin himself mentioned, we're open to retaining salary. Yeah. But for us, there's a cost of retention. Yeah. This is a point that he made, too. It's like, okay, we'll retain on this player, but that means you're giving us something mm-hmm. for it. You know, whether that's more accurate value for Connor Garland, whether that's throwing something extra in or whatever it is. It's like, we're looking to make a trade for Garland. We're looking for yeah. some sort of value in return. And in that pursuit of finding the right value, we're open to retaining salary. Yeah. But if the conversation is retain salary and give us a sweetener, that's, I, can, I, I, I mean... You can't hang up the phone fast enough. Well, I mean, it, it, it's absurd. It's absurd. So, I mean, like, let's let's exercise some logic here, right? Well, guess what? Like, you know, and the, and the thing is, oh, teams would love to have Connor Garland at three and a half million. Well, yeah, of, of course. course. The, the Canucks would probably rather, like, would love to have Connor Garland at three and a half million bucks, too. It would be more digestible, at the very least. Yeah. But it's clear that, you know, Garland also, even though Garland, I know, will has stressed that... There hasn't been a quote unquote trade demand, right? But we all know where this is going, yeah, right? Like, I, we all know. But, I, I vented about this yesterday. Yeah, we, trade so, demand or not, we all know where this right. is headed. And I think there is, like, Carter Garland, too, like, he views himself as a player who had to work his butt off at every level to get here. And he has, like, for undersized player, late draft pick, mm-hmm. who had to overcome essentially playing on the fourth line of AHL for a full season to, to from that point growing and becoming a player that played in the NHL and then grew in the NHL. And he views himself as a talented player who can play a sizable role somewhere. That sizable role is not going to happen in Vancouver when everybody's healthy. Yeah. It's clear. And we've seen kind of what's happened even with different coaches, right? So I, I think he'd love to go somewhere where he can flourish as a player and be who he thinks he can be because it doesn't look like it's going to be in Vancouver, right? But Vancouver, I don't think, is looking to give him away in terms of taking a huge loss on the trade. I think they'd be happy to trade him free for the cap hit, but nobody wants to do that. Yep. So Not many teams can do that. So you're taking something back or doing something, right? And I, I think that's why... We kind of laughed at you know the whole stuff coming coming out before the season because yeah sure go ahead and try, but nothing's changed. And if if this is what you found out 
after your pursuit of a trade that it's going to cost salary retention and a sweetener? It's like, I mean, (laughs) I mean, we knew this. I'm not sure the new agent has accomplished anything other than finding out what everybody already knew. Yeah. And listen, he's doing his job. I'm not begrudging him. He got hired by Garland for a reason. Mm -hmm. He still, he can't negotiate a new contract yet. It's about, can we facilitate a move somewhere? So he's doing what he can for his client. But that's why like, it's going to take time. Yeah, like, you know, we said this about Bo. We said this about everybody. You gotta wait. Right yeah. now, nothing's gonna happen that's sizable in NHL unless somebody's super desperate. And I can look at a trade with like a team like Nashville, for instance. Like, yeah, for instance, like if Nashville looked at it and said, "We'll give you Dante Fabro, for instance." Yeah, for Connor Garland. And you retain, you know, five hundred thousand on the contract. Okay, sure. Like m- maybe we can do something about that, right? But is that what Nashville wants to do? I don't think so. Probably not. Um, it, it, they probably want, like, again, Nashville probably looks at it and says, like, we want you to retain, mm-hmm. and we want you to give us something here. They'd like you to retain more, you know, and, and that's always what it ends up being, right? Uh, how much can you retain? What are you willing to retain? And you negotiate from there. But to me, the one and a half. Every team is probably asking the Canucks to do that in a trade. And it just doesn't make a ton of sense for the Canucks to do that. Because when I go through the exercise logically in my head, is is Connor Garland a bad hockey player? No. No. It, can he still provide some level of value to the Canucks even on his current deal? Yes. So why would you... What is forcing you, other than maybe the player's um, unsettled mentality, which Garland, to his credit, hasn't really shown that. No, and and listen, if he's a malcontent, then okay, listen, you you do what you got to do for the greater good, so to speak. Yeah. But... I mean, organizationally, I don't think they feel like they're there. Garland's not pushing it that that way, and that's why it's Garland made, still has a great relationship with Rick Tockett as well. Well, and that's why to me, like this whole thing becoming public is ridiculous. And I'm, you know, and maybe it just happened because the agent's doing his job; he's calling teams. Yeah. And to me, this stuff gets out because the agent's calling a number of different teams. Yeah. And let's say you're trying to keep it between the Canucks and and Garland's a- agent, right? Well, that's two, three, or four variables you got to control, and they can kind of keep it quiet. All of a sudden, you add six or seven front offices with four or five people in the know. Yeah. Now you're talking about 40, 50, 60 people all of a sudden who know about this. And somebody's going to spill the beans. To somebody, mention something to somebody, right? So that's this is how it comes out. But to me, the fact that it's come out is counterproductive. And the fact that it came out right before the season is also counterproductive. Because yeah. the fact that we've been sitting here talking about this after an 8-1 win... Mm-hmm. And the Canucks have a game coming up, you know, against Edmonton. Big when, five game when we road trip. know a trade can happen because of the things we just outlined, yep. it's it's ridiculous. Well, the best course of action for the Vancouver Canucks is to just wait. And it's so obvious that the best course of action is for them to just wait in this situation. You wait, you hope Connor Garland has a good season. You hope the team as a whole has a good season. The salary cap goes up next summer, and it's a maybe a little bit easier to move Connor Garland. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, especially if the Canucks do make good and have a solid season this year, make the playoffs. Guess what? There's a lot of players on this roster that look a lot better a year from now or nine months from now than they did over this past summer. Yeah. And over these past couple of years. You know what's what's going to change the equation? Two things you just mentioned. Garland playing well and this team playing well. Yeah. Those are the things that can make it a little bit easier to move Connor Garland. Plus, time. Because real cash is being doled out to 
Connor Garland on his contract. Yeah, I pay a little bit more of it off. There's less that an, uh, the the acquiring team is going to have to pay to Garland, and two, the more time that passes, there's less term on the deal that the acquiring team of Connor Garland would have to deal with. So, you know, you talk about Connor Garland for three years at $17 million in real cash. That's a lot for somebody to take on. You talk about it at two years and around 10, $11 million. Well, that's a little bit less and a little bit more palatable for an acquiring team in this conversation. So that's where the situation is at with Connor Garland. There was a really interesting bit of news today around the league set. Mm -hmm. Devon Taves, good BC kid gets paid. Yeah. Seven and a quarter over the next seven years with the Colorado avalanche. And I know this is something you've been talking about for a while. That's why we call him Satstradamus around here, but quality defensemen just do not make it to market. Devon Taves was set to be an unrestricted free agent. He got a number he was happy with, with the Colorado Avalanche, where, mm-hmm. you know, he's buttered his bread essentially for the last number of years and became a star defenseman in the league. And he's decided that's good enough for yeah. me. I'm staying in Colorado. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. You're getting 50 million, which is still a ton of money. Yeah. Perhaps you could have got a bit more in free agency, right? But, you know, you're happy. You're making it like it's a lot of money and yep. you're in a place you're happy. So great for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. And uh, I, I, I wish him the best because, I mean, who doesn't want to see local boys have success the way Devon Taves has had success. Right. But to the point that you made, it just goes to show that if you want a top four defenseman, you got to go out and find one. You're you, you, you might get lucky through the draft. Right. Yeah. In terms of later picks, you might get lucky with a smaller move. Free agents like Hirose, if he pans out, can he be the next Hannah? But even that is like, I'll look at Hirose and say, if he can play on the third pair, credibly, mm-hmm. that, that's a huge boom. Like, if he's the next Stetcher, that's fantastic as a college free agent. That's yep. how hard it is for those guys to even become what Troy Stetcher is, for instance, right? Top four guys are hard to find. Legitimate top four guys are very hard to find. Yeah. You're either drafting them high, like you did with Willander, especially righties. Yep. And that's why... And I'm not saying, like, you know, pick any player over any talented guy, but that's why, like, as much as the Zach Benson stuff is out there and all the stuff about other talented players, and I get it, right? If you're not taking those types of swings, you're not going to get defensemen. Yeah. You know, and I don't care how much you can point to, you know, guys drafted outside the first round. The good ones get drafted in the first round. Mm -hmm. Some in the second a little bit, right? But even those are harder to find. Yeah. You got to take swings to get good defensemen. That's yep. just what you got to do. And when you take swings, you're either giving up assets or you're potentially bypassing more interesting forwards or those types of players in the draft. But if you're not will- willing to stomach that, you're never going to get them, guys. No. You know, and, and I'm not sitting here saying, you know, the Canucks should always draft defensemen, even average ones over forwards or trade all the picks for defensemen. But if this team is trying to win, which they are, if they're trying to be more than a mushy middle team, they mm-hmm. have to add more quality defensemen. And you're only going to get them if you pay a price one way or another. And you got to be willing to do it at some point. And they did with Heronic. Yeah. But you need more. But even Taves, you know, he was acquired in trade. Now it was, he became a salary cap casualty uh, on Long Island. Maybe one of the worst trades Lou Lamorello has made, although he's made a few. Yeah. Um, And... It's not somebody that Colorado developed themselves. You know, he spent a lot of time 
was drafted in 2014 in the fourth round, spent a bunch of time in uh, in college mm-hmm. and then spent a bunch of time in the AHL. It took long for yeah. him to develop before getting a couple of years with the Islanders and then getting traded for two second round picks to the Colorado Avalanche and landing in a primo spot next to Kale McCarr, essentially. But he's made the most of that, and they've become essentially the best pair in the National Hockey League together. So there's a lot that Devon Taves development wise had to go through. And that's sort of one of the paths the Canucks are taking with a bunch of guys. They've taken a lot of chances mm-hmm. on younger defensemen. They'll see if any of them hit Hirose, McWard, Johansson, all those guys. Maybe none of them hit in the same way that Devon Taves hit because that's a huge hit yes. that very rarely happens, but you're taking some chances. And the other one is Heronic and it's a high cost. And I didn't love the trade when it happened, you can go back and listen to the tape. I'm not going to hide from that take, but the more I look back on it, the more it's like, yeah, you let that player get to the summer. There's more teams that are probably bidding for Philip Pronick in trade with the Detroit Red Wings. They have more cap space. There's, you know, teams trying to improve in the offseason. All those things are happening at the same time. Canucks jumped on it the moment that they had a chance because this is essentially what happens with defensemen. If they get to market, if they get on the trade market, there's going to be a lot of teams trying to acquire that player. And the cost for those guys who are viewed as established top four defensemen is a first and a second. Yeah, We've seen it with the Ronick trade. We saw it with Provorov and other trades. Even Provorov was a bit different because a lot, lot of moving par- parts. But you go through the But Provorov was an underperforming player at a high cap number. And he still got a good, decent return at yeah. the end of the day, right? And again, it's a top four defenseman that has value, and especially guys that are viewed as good defensively. Those guys, Devon Taves has that. Ronick has that, yeah. right? And, and that's something um, that these guys have that makes them a little bit, bit harder to find. And that's why there's even more value into it. So you can't be afraid of doing so. And the Canucks have shown they can, but you still have to add more. Now you can't force it either. Mm-hmm. Cause if you get to free agency and none of the top guys are there, you can't overpay for somebody. It just doesn't make well, sense. That's, like, that's what happened with Tyler Myers. Or, when you get desperate yeah. and you sign somebody, you know, Myers again, you'd be okay with Myers around three and a half, four million, but at 6 million, it's, you know, become a, a tough contract to deal with. Well, even a guy like Ryan Graves, for instance, like he, yeah. he's like a number four, five, kind mm-hmm. of, right? Like he's good, but he's not great. Got five by five. Five by five. He got a five-year deal worth 27. You're paying a four and a half, four and a half million for five years yeah. or six years, six years, six-year deal, four and a half million per season. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a lot of money. And if he's a number five, that's a lot of money towards a number five, right? Yeah. So to me, like I, I don't have much interest in paying those guys. They lock you in. It becomes a Myers thing to some extent, unless you have perfect partners for them and you're locked in long term. So you got to go out for the top end guys. And yeah. I think the Canucks are trying to get Severson. That didn't happen. Obviously, Columbus jumped up and gave up a third to get his rights. They don't let those guys get there. Yep. The year before, Mackenzie Weger, he's a guy, righty defenseman, good defensively, has value. The Calgary Flames locked him up, never got to free agency. Mm-hmm. Guys like that don't get to free agency. So you got to find a way to acquire them. And if you don't, you got to draft and develop them. Yep. So, like, how do you bridge to get there, though? And I think that's the challenge. You kind of saw what the Canucks did this year where they couldn't get, get those guys. So you signed Susie to a three year deal. Yep. But Ian Cole is a plug and play top four guy in a one year deal. You're kind of, you're just kind of, buying yourself a little bit of time to find the next guy via trade yeah. or buy yourself enough time to have somebody develop and come up and play that role. Uh, if you look at the, the the slated free agents for next year, you know, we're, we're talking about Brady Shea, um, 
Brett Pesce, um, Matt Grizzlick, Noah Hannafin, as probably Brandon Montour. Like those are the guys that are, you know, early 30s or yeah. late 20s that might make it to market right now. And half of them are going to get signed. Half of them are going to get signed. And then beyond that, you know, you're talking about Chris Tanev, Alec Martinez, some some older guys that are, you know, one, maybe two-year deals. Or, you know, as we've heard with Calgary, they may just re-sign Chris Tanev too because yeah. where else are you finding another Tanev? So this is always going to be the case with defensemen and you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have to sign another contract like you did with Tyler Myers and that's why they went out and got Heronic. Does the Taves contract feel like a comp for Philip Heronic who is as of right now eligible for an extension with the Vancouver Canucks? So I don't think that he's in that stratosphere in terms of player because mm-hmm. Devon Taves is viewed very, you know, a lot higher. But I do think the total money in terms of fifty million is somewhere around the ballpark. But Taves did take a little bit less, yeah, a little bit less than what he would have yes. gotten in free agency. But even so, like I look at the com- comparable, like the number I keep coming out with Philip Heronic, and perhaps he gets a, a bit more, and we'll see, you know, how much the cap rise plays into it. But if you look at comparables for his age, his production, the number comes in at about six point five, six point five ish. That's over like a seven, eight year deal. Yeah. Hey, maybe you do seven. But yeah, I mean, like, I I think he probably gets a bit less than what Taves got. That would be on an AAV. I think he gets a bit less than what Taves got. Now, if he puts up a 60 point year, that's different. But I don't see that happening with him not being on the first unit power play. Yeah, it it might help the Canucks that Taves did take a bit of a haircut here and is at seven and a quarter because the Canucks can definitely use that. Even if uh, Heronic does have a good season, a good season offensively, it's going to be hard for him to really demand more than seven and a quarter. Uh, that Devon Taves got. Now, Severson is also a right shot defenseman, has been a point producer mm-hmm. in his career. He got six and a quarter, 50 million total dollars yeah. over eight years with the New Jersey Devils. That's probably something closer. But one other thing the Canucks have that those negotiations didn't, they still have one RFA year. So they would be buying one less unrestricted free agent year on Philip Perona compared to what the Severson contract and what the Devon Taves contract look like in those respective situations. So does it help them that much? Maybe not, but probably still looking in the six and a quarter, six and a half million dollar range for Philip Aronic. If you're willing to go eight years. Yeah. And that's where Vancouver has the advantage as the team. And that's why the AAV can be lower. If you're talking about seven years and six years, that's when the number kind of comes up. Cause the, to your point, the agent's probably looking at the 50 million mark and saying, that's where we need to be. Like that's the ballpark we need to be in. We can't take less. If you do six by six, that's 36. Yeah. Even six and a half times six, that's like almost 40, 39. So it's, that's not nowhere near the money you're that, you know, he's probably looking for. So it has to be an AAV year deal so it comes down to what the bargain they kind of drive because in free agency i can see him getting you know seven times seven mm-hmm. in free agency 49 million or something perhaps seven and a half times seven 50 50 some million 52 53 somewhere in that but nobody's going to be able to give him no one's gonna give him 60 so if vancouver comes in on an eight-year deal off 51 52 it probably should be able to get it done at that at that range that would be my guess yeah but We'll see how that kind of unfolds. And, uh, well, the other thing that the, you know, Canucks have too is, you know, Quinn Hughes signed at a pretty good number. Yeah. So Philip Ronick's probably going to come in 
Quite a bit less than where Quinn Hughes is. And, you know, if you sign, if you lock up Quinn Hughes and you have uh, Philip Hironik Wesley- locked up, you have to be really careful with the next contract. And that's why if you are giving a top, another defenseman a big money, it has to be a really quality player. Yeah. You know, and that's where, like, Severson would have been, righty defenseman, he would fit right in, right? And even you can project Willander to come in and play a third pair role and you have three over time and you can still work that in. You feel great about having three defensemen like that. Look at, for instance, uh, the New York Rangers. They have Schneider on their third pair that true yeah. bun adam fox hey i'd love to have a situation like that with those types of yeah. defensemen all playing your right side right but i don't think you can go and sign guys like brady shea and give him a lot of money to me that wouldn't be a good bet i, I think you're better off finding stop gaps if you can't find those guys like cole mm-hmm. you, you get tan of a short-term deal a guy like that for a year or two for, for instance and then you try to patch it over until you can get a guy like willander into the lineup yeah keep taking those uh dart throws at uh developing some defensemen as well. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. A lot of questions coming in uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll get to some of those. We'll get to your mailbag questions. Steve from Right Rock wants to throw in Vasily Potkolzin scoring on the power play to open the season for Abbotsford. He scored the Bo Horvat special. That was, it was a nice one. You do love to see it. I do think. Pods is going to be spending a lot of time with Abbotsford this year. Hopefully he scores a lot of goals and builds confidence. Exactly. That's what the Canucks need for Vasily Pod Colson. Coming up, the mailbag on Canucks Central.